It's the morning show that no one knows and no one is talking about. I said no one is talking about, but if they did, they'd probably say it's the best way to start today with Rach and Dave. I'm late. I'm late. I am late today. I don't know what happened. I am the only human who is here in the hallowed studios of the Start Today Morning Show because Rachel Hollis has decided to have a couple of days to refuel her batteries. She has done gone to an undisclosed location on the shores of Madagascar, and I am here for it. She's gone to absolutely unplug. She's going to a place where they do not allow cell phones. She has gone to a place where she and a human friend of hers is, are they're just gonna chit chat in holy sweatpants and live their absolute best lives. And I'm here for it. Cheers to you. I couldn't make the technology in the studio work this morning because the power went out in her house last night. Top of the morning, happy Wednesday. Uh, so guess what? There's never been wheels on the bus. There are extra no wheels on the bus happening today. I did get a, I got a, I got a mug. I got a new Yeti mug thing happening here. Top of the morning. I couldn't even figure out how to make Rachel's Instagram work this morning. You know what? Go with me, people. I don't know what's happening. Mm. A happy Wednesday morning to you all. We are two days away from the halfway point of this last 90 days challenge. I hope that you are here for it still. Once you hit the, the peak, the halfway point, then it's boom, all downhill from here. So uh, stick with it. Uh, this week in the last 90 days challenge, if you were not familiar, we are talking about the topic of other people's opinions. Other people's opinions. Uh, a thing that in life will likely get in your way or be the thing that keeps you from reaching for the passion of your heart, the dreams that you believe in, the, you know, kind of like almost fill in the blank, almost anything that you do currently that keeps you from pursuing what you could ultimately be in this world is related in some way to the weight that you afford other people. And it's not to say that there aren't some good people in your life whose opinions you absolutely should afford some weight too, but man, are there a lot of people who's, you know, one, whose opinions should bear zero weight in your life, but two, so often, I think we afford weight to other people who are not actually thinking about us, who are not actually doing the thing that we are giving them weight for. And so I thought, it's Wednesday, I'm late, there's no Rachel, usually here, not today, at a spa. Ooh, enjoy that spa in Madagascar. Uh, she is not gonna be here today and tomorrow. I'm gonna be here today and tomorrow. And I thought, uh, because it's Wednesday, maybe we could just do a little bit of a read, if you would, out of my book, because I have a chapter in my book that addresses the opinions of other people. It's the lie, everyone is thinking about what I'm doing. The lie, everyone is thinking about what I'm doing. Uh, and I think it's interesting in part because there are, there are times when we have the opinions of other people influencing us to do things that are disconnected from the person we say we wanna be, are disconnected from the values that we say are important to us, are disconnected from 
the things we want to do priority-wise on our calendar are disconnected from who we say we want to be as a partner or a parent. The opinions of other people are, are bad in how they can influence you to do things that are inconsistent with who you say you want to be. But also, the opinions of other people can sometimes keep you from making a move that you know you need to because of the paralysis that happens in worrying about what your move might mean to other people. What your move might mean to uh, either exposing some of the insecurities you have of being judged or what your move might mean in making other people uncomfortable or, or producing some kind of discomfort comfort in them. And that like paralysis, that decision to not make a move can be as bad as you feeling like you are being pushed or, 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 or led some way into some decisions that are not ideal. Uh, yeah, Dave, you went live on the Hollisco Instagram. I know, I couldn't find Rachel's password. It's like a safe over here. So I ended up going live on the Hollisco uh, site, uh, Instagram because I just wanted to make sure that if people wanted to hear this, they were able to because she's not here and I don't know how to make her phone work. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right, so in this chapter, the lie is everyone is thinking about what I'm doing. And when I knew for sure 100% that I needed to make a move from what I knew to what I needed, to what was comfortable for me, but keeping me totally disconnected and disconnected from who I knew I wanted to be, I did not make the move that I knew I needed to make for a long period of time, more than a year's worth of time because of this worry of what me deciding to leave something that made sense to other people would mean to them and their opinion of me. Which now I can tell you this with total clarity is ridiculous. And I wanna tell this story more than anything because if there is something in your heart, if there's something that you know you need to do, but you are resisting because of the worry of what they, the collective they, society, your mother-in-law, the people that you work with, the folks in your small group that they are thinking, they're not thinking about you, number one. And two, the things that they might be thinking are not even a reflection of you, but more them, okay? Of you, but not them. So the lie, everyone knows what you're thinking, out of my book. <clears throat> Here's a gift that will serve you even if you're not a middle school boy looking for love. I tell a story at the beginning of this chapter about how I was pursuing someone, I made a mistake, I was super, super embarrassed, she did not even recognize that I made this idiotic mistake. Uh, here's a gift that will serve you. Have a great day, I love you, you look fantastic. Nobody is thinking about you. They are thinking about themselves. That's not an indictment on the people in your life, it's just a truth about the human condition. We are all worried about ourselves. And any reaction we have to other people tends to be a reflection of our own insecurities. If someone does have a problem with something you're doing, it's likely that they are challenged by it, feel insecure because of it. Oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, Noah Hollis, wearing a sweater that matches some leggings on a 34 degree day in Dripping Springs, Texas, has braids in her hair. Ladies and gentlemen, let me start that sentence over. If someone does have a problem with it, if someone does have a problem with something you're doing, it's likely that they are challenged by it, feel insecure because of it, are jealous of your willingness to chase after it, or are frustrated that your belief in yourself makes them more aware of their disbelief in their own ability. 
I'm going to read this again because I think this is at the core of why we do not pursue the things that we know we need to. If someone does have a problem with something that you're doing, it's likely that they are challenged by it, feel insecure because of it, are jealous because of your willingness to chase after it, or are frustrated that your belief in yourself makes them more aware of their disbelief in their own ability. In the end, it's rarely actually about you. This isn't to say that there aren't some folks that don't have legitimate concerns about the choices that you're making and whether those choices fuel you. You know those people's motives are pure and in your best interest, and you should listen to those people. Those are the small percentage of people who really know you and your heart, the desires and motives of your soul. Rather, I'm talking about the collective they and the worry of letting them down that tends to keep us inside our comfort zones and keeps us from reaching for more. So then I tell a little bit of the story of my transition from what ended up being six different big corporate jobs over the course of my 25 years inside of entertainment, most recently, the one where I left Disney as the head of sales after having had a 17 year, very successful career. And I had built up the transition of what it would feel like, what it would mean to leave and the reaction that they would have. I thought, oh my goodness, the earth would crumble underneath the, the buildings of the Walt Disney Company because I mean, ridiculous, I know, but I really was worried about their reaction. I'll, I'll pick up after that story has been told. Their reaction, it was a complete departure from the worst case scenario I'd created in my mind. Well, I'd like to think that each person was disappointed on some level to lose me. Their concern in hearing about my exit was not about me as much as it was about continuity. How are we going to continue to set records now that Dave's done lost his mind and decided to leave? It was just as transactional as it should have been on that, their end. And not only that, I can see clearly now that though I played an important role, it was a totally replaceable one. They backfilled me quickly. The team crushed records immediately and every day since, because of course I'd been a small piece of a big machine. I let the emotion of my personal relationships and insecurities about my own risk-taking cloud the objectivity that they each applied to my departure. Ego is a funny thing. There's this part of us that believes if we're to leave a company, if we were to leave a relationship, if we were to leave a post in life, that the people left behind would be devastated by the void we leave in our wake. We believe on some unconscious level that the entire operation will come crashing down if the contributions we've been making aren't available once we're gone. It gives us our, self, our sense of self-worth and it makes us feel like we're doing something that's worthy of our time. Uh, I go on to tell the story of uh, about three months after I left, Rachel and I made this documentary called Made For More. It's like the behind the scenes of a RISE conference. It's available for free. If you go on Amazon and you're a Prime member, you can watch it right this second. But we put it in theaters. And so I wanted so badly to have that same access that I'd had previously to all of the analytics for who was showing up to movie theaters. And so I, we put it in theater and I sent notes to all these people that I'd been connected to for the you know long time that I worked at the Walt Disney Company and I heard nothing, like crickets. I, I heard nothing. Silence, crickets, nothing. It took me hours and hours to get a single note back. 
And the ego in me told me that conspiracy was afoot. The self-important voice that had convinced me of how much I mattered in that role in the business was certain that the unreturned emails from the execs, producers, and press that I'd worked with for years were the product of a secret agreement that I was not to be interacted with, that my security clearance had been revoked. As the righteous head of now the second best media company on earth, the Hollis Company, I was an unknown enemy insurgent. They weren't responding to me because they were told not to. They'd agreed not to. That had to be it. My paranoia finally broke me down. I asked my successor if she'd heard of this industry-wide gag order, if there were some set of hard feelings that were now governing the way that the traditional entertainment business responded to me or didn't. She laughed. In the nicest way possible, the new leader of my old team laughed out loud at the idea that there was some coordinated effort to keep me out of the know. She assured me in so many words that the industry I left was probably worried about things that were higher on their priority list that day than me. <laughs> I can see so clearly now what I couldn't say that what I couldn't see then. <clears throat> Skip down just a little bit. I can say with overwhelming certainty that any worry I had about what people would think of me leaving my job, the industry, it was all unfounded. More than a year removed from having left that great job, I'm here to tell you that nobody cares about what I'm doing now. Yes, they may be watching what we're up to. They are probably, hopefully, enjoying the content we produce. But my worry of being judged by these folks for choosing to do something that made sense to me, but not to them, that was a futile exercise and totally wasted emotion. Bernard Baruch has a great quote that's often wrongly attributed to Dr. Seuss. For those who matter don't mind, and those who mind don't matter. If you're holding yourself back because of the worry of what other people think, you have to ask yourself if you're giving the right weight to the kind of people in your life to regulate what you do and don't do. There are voices that you should listen to, but those voices are few and far between. Don't give up the power you have to be who you were meant to be because of people who are not thinking about you. So it's, it's tough because the ego part of you really, oh my goodness, wants to believe that everyone's thinking about you. Because if people aren't thinking about you, that like self identity, that, that sense of self, that like it, it, it's, it's troubling sometimes to have to grip with the reality that you are not the center of other people's universe. And if you think about it, man, you are probably, like every other human being on the planet, concerned first with yourself. And that doesn't make you a bad person in the same way it doesn't make them a bad person. But if there is any part of you that is given away the weight of what you will do to someone else's opinion who is probably not actually thinking about you, stop it, y'all, stop it. They are not gonna fall apart without you. I'm sorry to break it to you and your ego and your sense of self, they are not. You are in work, you are frankly in relationship replaceable. And if you are in relationship or in a work environment or in a circle that in some ways is not rooting for you to be your very greatest self, not rooting for you to be your very, very best self, why are you one in relationship and why too would you afford them an opinion in your life that would keep you from being great. Stop that. Let's let go of that. Uh, 
I worried so much for so long about something that was not actually even real. And that is the biggest takeaway that I would hope for anyone to get out of this conversation this morning. I had decided that I couldn't make a move out of something that was taking a toll on who I was showing up as in my relationship with Rachel, as who I was showing up as in my relationship with my kids, who I was showing up as just generally for myself. I like dug deeper into a pit of being stuck because of the paralysis around not wanting to make a move that might disrupt other people who were not actually thinking about me. Oh, how sad. Like I honestly, like I'm super, super grateful for it now because man, I had to get in the deepest part of that funk to be standing on the top of this mountain today, but dang it, what a waste of time and what a waste of energy. It didn't actually even exist. So I'd encourage you right now, if you are thinking about what you'd like to do if only it weren't for the opinions of these people that you know would be disrupted, disappointed, made uncomfortable, might judge you, I want you to make a list of them, like literally on a piece of paper so that you can really, really ask, are these the kind of people, that very small percent of people, that very, very, very small group of humans whose opinions are so worthy from my perspective that I would afford them the weight to actually govern how I pursue the dreams of my life. If they are not, then go through an exercise of liberating yourself from the control of their opinions because they are not actually thinking about you. And the sooner you can see that, be free. Holy cow, be free. The freedom that I have now to pursue anything that I want. Writing this book was the freest thing that I've ever done because I would not have admitted anything that I have put inside this book when I was still operating out of a posture of making sure that I was like living up to the expectations of the opinions of other people who were not actually thinking about me. I am the freest that I've ever been. And in this posture of freedom, I am gonna have an impact that is magnitudinally different than it would have been if I'd have gated myself to the keeping other people comfortable standard that I lived in prior to this move. Man, it is a life-changing thing. And once, the great thing is too, once you like let yourself free from one person that today is keeping you from being great, it gives you this permission and perspective to now go through the laundry list of who it is that keeps you held back, that keeps you from being your very best self. And once you can start that, man, it's a snowball going downhill. The world had better be ready because you now in this new like ability to see, it's truly like blinders are taken off. Oh, wow, the world isn't this thing that I created. The world isn't this thing that I thought I needed to be a certain thing for certain people. You know, society is going to, every single day, dictate to you what it means to be a good girl, to be a real man, to be the kind of mom that they expect, to be the kind of Christian that they expect, to be the kind of whatever that they expect. And you have to decide, are you going to let society be the one at the end of life who you have to be disappointed for having listened to as you're living with regret for not having fully stepped into who you were placed on this planet to be, 
or are you going to challenge the definition of what you need to be on this earth and stop worrying about the opinions of people who literally are not thinking about you. They're just not. They're not thinking about you. Those that are thinking about you, you can decide to put into one of two camps. Are these people who are thinking about me doing so because of their interest in me being my absolute greatest self? Or are these people that, that exist in my life because of insecurity, because of jealousy, because, right? If, if they are people who are thinking about you for those reasons, be free. They are not in your life with those opinions for good. They are in your life with those opinions to like a crab in a bucket, pull you back down into the boiling water so that you can die in mediocrity with them. Let that go. Let it go. If there's somebody on the other hand that is absolutely in your corner, they have your best interests at heart, them having a conversation with you that can respect why you feel the way that you do and understanding their perspective of what they believe to be the risk in you living into your best life or showing up for yourself, have that conversation, right? I don't want to be dismissive that like every person's opinion doesn't matter. Of course, there's some that do. But man, they are like count them on a single hand kind of people that matter. We give, I think, I previously was giving hundreds of people weights in my life when I should have been giving five or fewer people weights in my life, period. And if you are currently still giving hundreds of people, sometimes it's strangers on the internet because they're writing a comment about something and it makes you change the way you think you should show up. Like I, I, I said yesterday, I put it in the post too, like, when I read Grow Wash Your Face, I tried to convince Rachel to not publish the dang book because of the worry of what the hundreds of people I was giving weight to might think of her transparency. God, I'm so glad that she didn't listen to me. I love her. And I thought that my fear-based love for wanting to protect her was righteous. I thought it was the right thing to do. And after all of these millions of people having read the book have told uh, you know, us countless times how unbelievably helpful it was in helping them get out of their own way. It was the prompt for me writing this book. It, if, if I'd have had my way in convincing her, my opinion, convincing her, an opinion that she trusts, the five people, if she had listened to me and not published Girl Wash Your Face, there is a 0% chance. Like 1% chance? No, there's a 0% chance that I would have written a book that is going to 100% be a resource to help people get unstuck. I am crazy proud of this book. It is the absolute period best thing I have ever created. It is going to be, it's gonna be successful. And it's gonna be successful in part because I decided to go to the place that she went to. And if she had listened to me when I was one of the people providing a good opinion as to why she shouldn't produce that book, it wouldn't exist. It would not exist. So decide right now, are you gonna let hundreds of people weigh in on your life? That answer needs to be no. Be free, let go. Now you got five people whose opinions really matter. But just because their opinions matter, that doesn't mean that their opinions are right for you. And I like, man, does it stink sometimes to have to own that uh, I was so wrong? Yeah, I've got, a, I've got pride, I've got ego. I don't love to have to confess that I did not have the vision that she had of the kind of impact that the book that she wrote could have. But who cares? I, like, literally, who cares? 
I was wrong, and in my being wrong, the rest of my life opened up. In my being wrong, I created the greatest thing I've ever created in a very long and very successful career. In being wrong, I get to have magnitudinally bigger impact for the benefit of learning from being wrong. Just because somebody is one of your five most important opinions, you really have to decide if you're going to listen to their opinion because their opinion still may be, like mine was, fueled by fear or insecurity or the worry, in this case, of what other people might think about her honesty and transparency, even though literally they were not thinking about her, they were thinking about how the tool that she created could benefit them. Y'all have tools, y'all have tools inside of your heart, inside of your head, that if only you'd let go of the worry of what other people might think, you could gift the world the gift that you were given by the creator of this dang universe. So let like, it, we, we were together at Rise Business with all of these super inspiring speakers and we're talking about the things that get in our way and, uh, and even in a little bit, we are talking about sales. And we were at one of one of the speeches was by a guy named Dean Graziosi, and Dean was talking about the the way that you have to think about the thing, that, the product that you're selling. I think it's the same way you have to think about the gifts that you've been given. You have to think about it like it would be an injustice to humanity if you didn't have them buy your thing. If you want to be a great salesperson, I think that about the gifts that we've been given. You have to truly embrace, you have to truly embrace that the gifts that you were given, would it would be a travesty to humanity if you did not unlock and give those gifts to the people in this world who need them. Does everyone need your gifts? Nope. It's part of why you won't actually unlock them because instead of focusing on the 100 people that absolutely 100% need your gifts, you're thinking about the five people who will reject your gifts. Who cares about those five people? You just, you just delivered value to 100. There are gonna be literally millions of people who decide that my book is not for them. I'll pray for them. I will, because it is for them as much as it is for anyone else. But guess what? I'm gonna go out and tell people that this book is a gift for them as a, as a response to it being a gift that was placed inside of me that I can give them if they're willing to hear it. And just because it's gonna be rejected by a certain percentage of humanity, doesn't mean it's not gonna be great. You need to get out of the worry of what the small percentage of people who might be fearful, in like inconvenienced, disrupted, jealous, struggling with their own stuckness, it, that's not about you, it's about them. So let go of that. Y'all, y'all, we have made it to the last five minutes of the Start Today Morning Extravaganza. It's the morning show that no one knows and no one is talking about. But if they were, they'd probably say, it's the very best way to start your day with Rach, who's not even here, and me. My name's Dave. I live in this house. This office is the hallowed studios of the Start Today Morning Show. I'm very, very happy to have you here. Are there any questions? Are there any questions to finish up the Start Today morning show. I'm happy to answer them if you would like. Uh, let's see. Uh, how do you get your thoughts clear and stop letting the fear control you? Um, for me, it was very binary. Like I just dove in and had to have uh, instances where 
my deciding to do something that I would not have previously done because of the worry of what people might think, I had to do those things to show myself the evidence, the practical evidence that, oops, guess what? Nobody actually said anything or thought anything. Like nobody said or thought anything. So uh, I would just find small, small like proof points where you can step into something that you normally would not have done because of the worry of other people's opinions, just to show yourself that not only can you survive, but thrive. And in that thriving, afford somebody a gift that you were gifted yourself. Uh, when are we gonna announce the cities for the book tour? I'll tell you, guess what? I got them right here. Hold on, I'm gonna pull them up because I know what these cities are. I'm gonna rattle them off. I don't have the exact dates, but I will tell you, we're going to Boston, New York, Philly, DC, Denver, Portland, Seattle, LA, San Diego, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Chicago, Toronto, back to New York, Atlanta, Charlotte, West Palm Beach. Uh, that's what we got so far. Uh, will we add more? Who knows? Maybe we will, but those are the cities. Uh, it's gonna be three or four dates a week over the course of seven weeks, starting on March 10th. Get your dang hearts ready. I am excited about it. Uh, let's see. Any other questions? When's the next prize business? It is the first weekend in November in uh, Austin, Texas. It's in Austin, Texas, y'all. So uh, get excited about that. We're going to put those tickets on sale not terribly long from now. Uh, let's see. How do you figure out which direction you wanna go with your career when you wanna go in several different directions? My best advice, every chance that you get, like I, in the first 10 years at work, of working at the Walt Disney Company, I had 10 jobs. How did I have 10 jobs? Every time there was an opportunity that came up, my hand was in the air. Now, by the way, of the 10 jobs, I loved four of them. I loved four of those jobs and six other times, I got to learn a ton about a part of the business that I did not previously know a lot about. But more than anything, I got, an, I got a reputation of being the person who raised his hand and said, I am happy to put myself into any environment to learn. And in that, uh, I ended up getting more opportunity because of that. Just go into every opportunity that presents itself, even if it's not aligned with your skill set, you will get the chance to learn and maybe we'll show people that you are a person who can uh, be thought of as a utility person to be put into something new. Uh, are you still running a half marathon every Sunday? Darn right. In fact, this Sunday, Saturday, actually, uh, I'm running 15 miles. We're upping the mileage. I'm going past uh, a half marathon, 15 miles. I'll be running in Los Angeles this weekend because we're supporting a charity over the weekend and are gonna go to a dinner there. I'm super, super excited about that. Uh, does the Rise Run have a marathon? It does not have a marathon. Uh, the Rise Run is gonna be a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon. Uh, we might have a marathon at some point, but uh, not this first time. Shutting down an entire city is difficult. Am I training for something? Yeah, I'm training for the Austin Marathon. It happens on my birthday. Uh, turning 45, I'm gonna run the longest distance I ever have. I'm gonna set a personal record. Someone said, can I see your ship tattoo? Yep, there you go. A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ship's built for. I remind myself every day that I gotta 
roll out into the old choppy waters where I am going to grow. It's been uh, difficult for sure, but man, uh, in that difficulty, I've grown a ton. I actually, uh, I put up a post last night, the countdown, countdown to the book. There's only 17 weeks left. I know it feels like it's already here. Uh, but last, uh, last night I put up the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter is a drink will make this better. That's a lie. A drink will make this better. And I talked about how uh, I, in doing this work and deciding that I am going to go out into these choppy waters, uh, have had just the, um, the best and the hardest couple of years in this transition from what I, what I did, what I did to what I do, to, from what I knew to what I needed. And I had coping mechanisms that, hold on, Jeffrey needs to come in this house. It's cold out there, people. Hold on. Hold on. Come on, Jeff. Goodness gracious. Uh, anyway, I, I, I had coping mechanisms. I have coping mechanisms like anybody else. And when I decided to really, really take on a lot more disruption as a vehicle for my own growth, that disruption meant that my coping mechanisms were now tipping from a place of being healthier, bad coping mechanisms to super unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so drinking for me was something that I'd had a you know pretty casual relationship with for a long, long period of time. And then when I was really disrupting my identity, really disrupting this idea of working here and doing this book writing and working with Ray every day, uh, it got to a place where it just it wasn't healthy. It wasn't helping me uh, show up well, but it also in like having a drink to mute the rough edges of a long day, I was also muting the the benefits that come from the discomfort and the, the, you know, the hard parts of where growth actually comes from. So if you um, have a coping mechanism like drinking and you hope to still grow, you won't. So I had to substitute drinking for running um, as a sign of how ridiculously crazy and chaotic this year has been. In the eight months that I haven't had a drink, I have run 700 miles on the road. So, um, I, I run as a form of therapy. I run as a form of uh, processing the things that normally I would have previously just grabbed a drink for. Instead of having a drink, I'm able now instead to get on the road and run. And in my 15 miles of running, I'm in my head processing the things that I'm working through in a way that's super, super healthy and changes the way I think about anxiety or feeling overwhelmed. So um, I'd encourage you, if you are interested in pursuing something that'll push you outside of the harbor, that's what you're built for, but also any negative coping mechanism that you historically had is going to be challenging in a way that has never ever been challenging before as you decide to go out into that choppy water. So you're gonna have to decide, are you gonna find some new coping mechanisms that are healthier to help you persevere through the choppy, choppy waters? Y'all, it's 8.44. I have to go have a day. You have to go have a day. I really appreciate everybody being here today. Go say something nice to somebody that isn't expecting it. Send a quick thank you note to somebody that you witnessed do something great. Pull a coworker aside and tell them that you appreciate them today. Little things like that. Dang it, they're going to go a long way. More than anything, on a week where we're talking about other people's opinions, do the work. Do the work to understand what opinions you're currently allowing a voice in your life that do not serve you being the very, very best version of yourself and be free from the things 
that would hold you back. Have a fantastic Wednesday. I'll see you all tomorrow for another episode of the Start Today Morning Extravaganza. Now I got to figure out how to turn this thing off. Oh, one. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Start Today Morning Show podcast. If you want to actually see the episodes, make sure you tune in in the morning every weekday, 8 a.m. Central on Facebook and Instagram on basically every channel we have. Our theme song is from Sarah Sunshine. Follow her at the Sarah Sunshine. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and Kevin Westlake. With production help from Nicole Fisher. And I'd like to give special thanks to Hawk, the fish that will never die.